broadcast of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Welcome to the Working Woman Radio Show, where we have real conversations about the unique issues working women face. I am your host, Deanna Johnson Cawthon. Before I start today's discussion and introduce my guests for today, I'd like to let my listening audience know that the Working Woman Radio Show is looking for sponsors for the podcast program. Advertising your business on the Working Woman Radio Show is a great way to build your brand and to support meaningful programming. We have several different sponsorship packages available that can meet pretty much on every budget. So if you would like to more information about becoming a sponsor, go to www.theworkingwomanradiopodcast.com and click on, click on the link for sponsorship, download the information, and give us a call. Now that that bit of business has been taken care of, let's move on to the topic for today's show. With COVID-19 still being very much a health threat, school systems all across the United States uh, are having to make decisions about whether or not whether or not to bring students and teachers back into the classroom for this upcoming school year. Uh, So today I thought it would be a good idea to invite four teachers to the Working Woman Radio Show uh, and discuss how they feel about the upcoming school year. So let me go ahead and introduce you to my guests. Carla Breedlove has been a homeschool mom for four of four children for the last 22 years, and she entered the workforce again when her last child uh, was in high school, actually as a high school senior. She became a first grade teacher three years ago at a private school in Norcross, and she will serve as the lead elementary teacher for the upcoming school year at her school. Amy Cassie has been teaching special education for 20 years. She has taught grades K through eight, but the majority of her teaching has been with students in third through fifth grade. As a special education teacher, she teaches students with autism and behavior disorders and other learning disabilities in a variety of settings. She loves her students and believes that education is a partnership between the family and the teacher. Tyra Lamar has taught high school physics at the Lovett School for the past four years. Tyra has always been passionate about educating and mentoring young adults. In college, she helped devise a mentoring program for middle school girls interested in science and has tutored and taught workshops on test preparation and study skills. Tyra's formal education includes a BS in physics from North Carolina Central University and a PhD in neuroscience from Emory University. And last but certainly not least, Melita Hunter considers herself to be a lifetime educator. She is celebrating 22 years as an educator and has spent a majority of those years in the public education sector. She and her husband have a blended family of five girls in which the youngest is just 10 years of age. Welcome to the show, ladies. It is a pleasure to have each of you here. Now, we have a lot to cover, so I want to go ahead and hit it. Um, My first question to you guys um, is this. What is your biggest frustration about this COVID-19 situation as it relates to going back into the classroom? Carla, since you just happened to be uh, on my screen (laughs) to the left, I'm going to go ahead and start with you, and we're just kind of going to kind of move around the screen. How about that? Okay. So I think my biggest frustration is that we can't return the way we left. You know, teaching is already a very difficult job as it is Mm -hmm. on a normal basis. And then we transitioned home. That was very difficult to take that 
that type of arena online. Mm -hmm. So right now my biggest frustration is that I'm going to start in school with a lot of other um, measures that we had not taken before and it's going to look very different. I'm not quite sure yeah. how we're going to navigate that effectively. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, how about you, Amy? What's, what's your biggest frustration about this whole thing? I think for uh, me, it's the uncertainty of everything. Our county has not come out with a plan yet. We are waiting to see how the numbers go. Mm -hmm. We have just met, the school board met last night and the start date's being pushed back to the day after September, which is huge for us because normally we're back in school. Teachers are second week of August, kids come back to the third week sure. for consistently. Um, the uncertainty of it, how am I going to serve the need of my students? How are my students going to do? Uh, we, we left in March when the numbers were low mm -hmm. and the fact that we're having a conversation of going back face to face when the numbers are so high mm -hmm. is very concerning for the teachers. Mm -hmm. um, we're worried about ourselves, we're worried about our students, and we're worried about our families. Wow, wow. Now, Melita, I know that you're currently not in the public school sector right now, but I'd still like you to speak to this question. What's been, as you've watched this whole thing unfold, how is, as, as, and as, a, as a teacher, a veteran teacher who's been in the classroom for such a long time, what are you thinking and feeling? Well, how, how is this affecting you? I mean, as far as frustration levels are concerned. So one of my main concerns, um, so I've been out a year, thought about going back, but I'm not now, <laughs> um, is student retention. Yeah. Um, we know that it takes almost two to three months just to get kids back on track from summer break. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about how much or um, what they're not doing over the summer to kind of get prepared to come back. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is just the lack of teacher input. Teachers didn't get an independent survey in some districts. Mm -hmm. um, in Atlanta, my friends have told me. So the teachers, they're not, their input is not being, you know, recognized or listened to. And so um, just allowing teachers to give their say-so about what they think will be best. Sure, sure. We often find that people in the higher stats make decisions for us without our input. Wow, wow. And Tyra, um, can you weigh in on this? Yeah, absolutely. So I teach in an independent school, so I'm not in the public school system, um, which in some ways is good because it means that we can make our own laws and plans about how we're going to come back. Um, but in other ways, it just means that they're going to hold off a little bit longer. So I don't know as much about what the plan is at this moment. Mm -hmm. um, but my biggest concern and frustration, and I've talked to my family and friends about this recently, is just how small a role teacher and staff safety is playing in the plan. Wow. So kind of similar to what Melita is saying. I mean, every conversation I'm hearing, nobody's talking about it from the perspective of the adults who have to teach the students. It's always from the safety of the kids. Wow. And the whole argument for coming back is that um, children and young adults are least likely to get seriously ill or die, which statistically speaking is true, yes. Mm -hmm. But it's a very misleading and dangerous argument, in my opinion, because we're not including the fact that, first of all, even if we're talking about a very small amount of kids, there's still 70 million students. Yeah. So 0.02% of 70 million students is still almost a million students. Yeah, that's right? a ton of people. And, yeah, and then on top of that, secondly, the concern is just not for the kids getting sick. I mean, we're concerned about the school. The school is composed of more than children. Exactly. It's composed of adults. It's composed of staff and faculty. And some of these people, some of my friends in the cafeteria are much older. Wow. They have an older family at home. They have wow. people who are at risk that they have to take care of and support. 
And so it just seems very like, you know, one-sided to kind of have all these arguments based on what happens to the kids. Wow. And I'm hearing that from other teachers in my neighborhood and just friends um, who teach. I'm hearing so much of what each of you are saying. And so you guys, I think, are echoing and probably touching on what a lot of teachers are feeling. Um, Moving on. in, which I, I guess what I just said actually is a segue to my next question. What kinds of feedback are you getting from your colleagues about this? Um, and, and Tara, let's just go ahead and start with you. We'll go start from the bottom of the screen this time. Are you okay. getting feedback from colleagues about this? Um, so this summer I've, I've, you know, in the summer, it's always harder to like get in touch with people and True. kind of spend time, especially this summer. This summer has mm-hmm. been very weird. Yeah. Um, but I've definitely been in talks. One of my, colleagues is also one of my good friends. So we've been to talks every week mm-hmm. and every week we've talked about how um, this is just kind of a very, very stressful situation for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and even colleagues that I spoke to during the school year, yeah. um, most of the ones I talked to were expressing reservations about returning in the fall. And this is before we started getting things back out of control. Wow. Um, and back then we had more optimism. So the fact that everybody was were kind of reserved about coming back in person back then exactly. Exactly. means that right now people are definitely not okay with this per se. And so, yeah. I mean, we were under complete knockdown and now we're completely open again. Yeah, and yeah, we were talking yeah. about a second wave in the fall. And now we're talking about just continuing on the first wave. Wow. wow. Um, um, so yeah, yeah. it's, it's it's a very different situation right it now. Is, it is. So that's the kind of conversations you're having. What about you, Amy? Now you're in South Carolina, right? Yes, ma'am. That's right. What kind of feedback are you getting from colleagues, other people? in? Well, Maine? after, after the, uh, the board meeting last night, uh, our little groups were, were alight with text messages and comments. Yeah. One of the, um, it's unfortunate because when we left in March and we were doing the online learning, the momentum and the support for teachers was beautiful. Yeah. I felt like we mm-hmm. had finally, finally gotten the respect we deserve. <laughs> and it just went. Oh, and just, wow. Where are my people? Y'all love me. And now, now y'all don't want to do with me anymore. Oh. I feel like a special lamb. But one oh. of the main issues that my coworkers and I are having are two the first one is the hybrid model it's yeah. concerning because South Carolina came out with an accelerated plan and it says in the plan that a teacher will not be responsible for both so there's wow. some concern and thankfully some of our board people are supporting us saying how are teachers supposed to have office hours when right. the visual when actually face to face with students but then also doing um, yeah. e-learning sure other concern that they came out with that I have an issue with, but that's also from the Department of Labor on April 1st, is that if you get sick or I guess if you have to be quarantined, they'll give you a pass for your first 12 days. But if you get exposed a second or third time, you're on your own and have to use your own sick days. Well, as you can see, teaching, especially in the elementary level, is predominantly women. We have children and we have to bank our sick days to have babies for maternity leave. Wow. So I don't have many sick days. My boys are 11 and 12. I take off to be with them. I'm thankful and blessed that I have a husband that can also take off. That's sure. not the case for everybody. Right. But if I end up being exposed three times, that's 36 days. And I'm looking at 24 days without getting paid. Oh. I can't do that. So wow. there's, a, there's a concern there as an educator that I'm going to be going into work yeah. and, and, and losing money. And then also um, we're not getting our step increase this year in the public sector which is like two or 300 bucks a a year more, but it's the principal of the matter. So if we lose that step, then there's rumors that our insurance deductible is going to increase. So I'm actually going to be making less money 
to oh be doing God. more things oh. and now risking my life. So oh. I'm afraid we're going to see really good people leaving Absolutely. and we're going to have a hard time getting good people to teach our children. And that's where we need good people. We don't need good people playing basketball or playing. We need good wow. people in the, in the education to educate our babies. That's wow. what we need. So wow. I apologize. I get a little passionate. About no, this. It's, but this, these are, I mean, it doesn't get uh, more serious than some of the issues that you brought up. Um, uh, Carla, what kind of feedback are you getting? Well, actually, I'm a part of several teacher blogs. So I like to see what's going on out there and what sure. new ideas I can grab. And most of the teachers, um, like Tyra, I don't speak to a lot of teachers because it's summertime, but most of those on the blogs are just very, I don't want to say they're terrified, but they're very, very concerned. Definitely. Um, a lot of them are do not want to go back because of the fear of becoming ill. And as I went into my school this week, I found out that a couple of my teachers are not coming back due to the COVID-19. Wow kids have some health wow. issues and it's not that they didn't want to come back they want to come back yes but they had to make the choice between teaching and their family and they had to choose their family of course and you know i'm concerned i was and funny enough i wasn't even concerned until it got close i guess in my mind i'm thinking well we're safe we're at home yeah not even thinking oh i have to go back to school right. and i take care of my elderly parents on a weekly basis yeah that's a question oh so that's yeah. concerning to yeah, me as sure. well for sure and for sure. you know i know you know it's, it's this push and pull because parents do have to work and they can't always be at home right so i don't know what the yeah answer is but right, right. now you yeah. know people that i know are very concerned. very concerned. And Melita, are you getting any feedback from colleagues and folks? And, yes, uh, my, my friends, the colleagues, they're very afraid. Um, I don't know if you guys knew, but there's a recent article about three teachers in Arizona who are working summer school. Oh, yeah. One passed away and the yeah. other two are, are fighting COVID. And yeah. so that was just a real wake up call to say, hey, I can't be in that classroom. Um, yeah. I, as a special education teacher like Amy, yeah. we have collaborative teaching. So there's always two adults, maybe three, just depending yeah. on the needs of the students. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of my, especially special ed teachers, are just saying they can't do it. They, they don't want to be in the classroom with multiple adults and, right. you know, multiple right. children. Right, right, right. So, yeah, so, yeah. so this is what you're hearing. Now, you know, we've, we, they, the, the, the stories change from day to day. We've heard all kinds of recommendations. Of course, the CDC has all their recommendations. I've heard um, political leaders say, well, all the kids, all the students, all, I'm sorry, all the schools need to do is, um, uh, you know, get masks. But so what kind of things are, the, are your administrators saying about safety uh, procedures like masks, like social distancing, like um, the cleaning protocols? Um, and realistically, is that something um, that you see working? I mean, is, first of all, are they providing with what have they even talked about? Um, how they're going to get all these masks to the students? Are they providing them? And realistically, do you see that kind of stuff working? Um, you know, um, Melita, I mean, you've been a long-term teacher and so have you, Amy. I mean, realistically, tell me how that's supposed to look, because I think we're all looking at that and saying, um, so we're talking about masks and social distancing and cleaning. How does that look in a school full of students? It's going to be extremely challenging, especially for a K through I would say fifth grade. Definitely. <laughs> um, because, you know, they're constantly touching each other, they're touching their faces, they're touching you. Yeah. And even on some of the blogs, some of the parents are saying, we don't wear masks. 
So I'm not going to send my child with a mask on. I'm not going to make them sit in the classroom seven hours with the mask on. So you're dealing with that alone. Um, Some districts are providing masks and sanitizer, which is very hard to get by. But just even in a a regular school, it it is hard to clean a school and have cleanliness throughout the day. There are times when soap is not even in the dispenser, toilet paper is not there. And so the janitors are really going to have a hard time with just maintaining cleanliness. Absolutely. Especially with that hybrid schedule. Absolutely. What do you think, Amy? I mean, is this, I mean, I, I, we've, we, it, it infuriates me because I'm thinking, are they kidding? How many touch points are there in a school? Probably hundreds on any given desk and doorknobs and like you said, bathroom stalls and um, walls. I mean, I've been in schools. I've volunteered a lot. I've got grandchildren. I've been in the schools. I've seen the children just kind of hanging out on the walls. So Amy, speak to this. I'm, I'm just wondering, am I missing something? Are we missing something here? Well, I think it goes back to what Tyra and Melita said, that um, the people that are making the rules aren't asking the people that are in the trenches. Even before COVID hit, I had to teach kids in fifth grade how to blow their nose correctly, how to sneeze correctly. And these were gen ed kids too. So now we're going to put a mask on them, how to cough with covering their mouth. Um, They touch everything. In our district, um, in the meeting last night, the proposal was the teachers wear masks, but students are strongly encouraged. So that didn't go over very well because that was before. But that was made before it's now mandated again in our county. Um, right. There's a concern for me. I asked to wear a face shield because I teach special education. I teach right. poor placement and I have to teach phonics and no one's going to see a or if I have a mask on. So I want my students and myself to wear a mm-hmm. shield. I think the problem is there's too many questions mm-hmm. and not a lot of good answers yet. Definitely. So Definitely. I don't. I can't see a bunch of kindergartners who touch each other all the time wearing right. a bunch of masks. They're going right. to wear them down here. Oh my god! <laughs> right now, Tyra, you teach older kids. Do you feel like um, you have the same concerns? I mean, uh, absolutely. I mean, so it's a different reasoning behind it, obviously. So like with me, me and my dad were joking about it because I teach at a K-12 school. So I, right. I may teach certain ages, but I definitely interact throughout the day with everybody because we, we see each other all the time. Right. And he was joking with me about like, you know, by the end of the day, kindergartners have lost their mess. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> they're five-year-olds. I mean, like the ability to keep that thing on your face the entire time. I know I have a hard time myself, like sure. when I'm out and about grocery shopping with my mom, right. like right. I usually stay in the car. Because right. it's so hot outside and it's so hot inside with the mask on that usually it's just hard for me to keep it on. So I'm right. like, I'm just going to stay in the car and not ever get out. Right. So I don't think I've ever, I don't, if, if I remember, I haven't even stepped foot into a grocery store since March. Really? Um, yeah, right. I've literally been pretty much nowhere since March. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I mean, the high schoolers, the problem is going to be, they want to socialize. They want to be yeah. with their friends. And the idea right. of being six feet away from everyone even in a crowded hallway when you're changing classes, it's not realistic. Wow. I mean, we literally have 800 students who are trying to change classes on three hallways because wow. we have a th- three-story upper school building, one building, wow. and they're all in classes together. And the odds of them being able to keep six feet separation and do that in a timely fashion just makes no sense to me. Wow. So that's one of the issues. And then the other issue is just hand sanitizer and water and things like that. I mean, we, we struggle with keeping that stuff full and we're a private school of a pretty good endowment and we still right. struggle with maintaining the timeliness of that. Wow. So cleaning wow. in between classrooms and all the promises they're making about that kind of stuff. That's, that's, that's not realistic for a whole real. It doesn't sound. Carla, weigh in on this for a minute. 
What do you think? Well, I have I have uh, first graders, so yeah. we all know first graders love to touch and sit next <laughs> to each other, and yeah. that's going to be a no for them. Right. I know those masks are going to be everywhere, but on their faces. Right. I mean, I think they'll they'll start out with them, and I'll try to set as many, yeah. you know, make it as normal as possible. But for the entire day, that's I highly doubt this is going to happen. I know last year I had a student just in a record day trying to remind them to wash their hands from using just the restroom. Right. And one student told me, I don't like to wash my hands. I don't I wash my hands. I don't wash them here. I don't wash them at home. Oh, goodness. So that, and that's just, that was before COVID hit. So that's wow. going to be the same thing wow. that we have coming in. I mean, yeah. I think we can do the best that we can, but I think all day long for yeah. everyone to wear yeah. their mask, I don't yeah. think it's realistic. They wow. just need that touch anyway. Yes. You know, they need those hugs. They need they those do. types of things and they're going to look for them. They and don't. it's going to be hard to explain to the students, well, I can't touch you. Or you can't touch me. You can't touch your friends. That's just going to be abnormal for them. And it's, I think even mentally, yes, you know, I think that's going to take a toll on this, probably all of them, but in particular, I think the little ones who can't really understand yeah, yeah. why that's happening. They couldn't understand why they were at home in March. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, you spoke to the mentally, uh, is mental issue of it. I mean, for us as adults, it's been hard for me not to see my mother, who's 83, uh, and, and we have actually seen her. We saw them this past weekend. We had to socially distance, um, and I have not hugged my mother. Um, uh, in, um, um, I have not hugged my mother in a very long time, and so it's since March, so it's crazy. Um, but anyway, so it's mentally hard for me as a 54-year-old adult. Uh, so I can only imagine what that would feel like for the children. I want to, um, uh, there's lots that I want to talk about. I want to make sure I get this question in, so I'm going to skip down um, on our list of questions. This past March, as you know, schools across the U.S. shut down because of this whole COVID-19 things, and everybody was forced to go online, teachers and students. Um, how well did, you, did it work? I want to know from you. And why can't schools just continue to do what we were already doing i mean we've had four months or so to get you know to to work out some of the kinks why can't we just keep going can we speak to that um can you speak to that amy well, i'm gonna start with you with this question i think when we left um friday the 13th march 13th was our last day and nobody right. knew right. i would have sent a bunch of stuff home with my kids if i had known everything home with them True. so when we found out monday that we weren't coming back we immediately, which was amazing, they again shows the power of education, and educators mm -hmm. in the trenches immediately came out with this e-learning module. It was this platform, but right. we were very reactive. Right. I think going into it now, we should be proactive and we should be much better equipped and know what we're going to do. The number one issue though with this is the kids and the parent parental support and getting those kids to get their work done. I teach a title one school. So we have some additional hardships in the public sector that um, other schools might not have. And we have gone above and beyond to make sure that we get in touch with kids. I even shown up at kids houses wow. and we're still having kids that are just ghosting us. The parents, I have all my parents have my cell phone number. I text them daily. We have Google meet three times a week and I still had some, um, we still had many kids in our district that no one heard of at all. So that's a concern too. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that there will be stricter guidelines. Mm -hmm. Like um, for example, I met three times a week, but there were some teachers that met once a week. Right. So there needs to be consistency amongst the teachers. 
Mm-hmm. And we need to have set guidelines, set expectations, not only for educators, but as well as the students. We need to hold them accountable because this is not a free pass to go That's on vacation true. or sleep in late. You know, you need to wake up, you need to get your work done. And this, sh- yeah. this is really showing a lot of self-discipline. I have yeah. two sons. My 11-year-old did well. My 12-year-old, not so much. Online learning is not for him. We'll, yeah. We made it through. We'll make it through again. This sure. will be a lesson that we can learn, and this will help us be stronger. Sure. So I'm hopeful that it's going to be, um, it'll look a lot different if we do go back to online. Our county still hasn't decided yet. Right, right. Now, um, Melita, what do you think about the whole online learning thing? I mean, why can't schools just, uh, and and I know it's, I know some school districts were better at it than others because of, and, I, and we haven't even talked about this, um, there are certain school districts that just didn't have, they were not ready at all. They didn't even have the computers to give their kids. So that's a whole nother thing. But um, so what do you think about the online learning? Does it work and why not continue on? Well, in Gwinnett County, we were trained years ago yes. and with our e-class platform. Mm-hmm. So kudos to them for that. On the other hand, they did not have enough technology in the yeah. home. Yeah. And so parents were dealing with that, going on to e-class and the live Zoom classes. Sure. If you only have one computer and you have three children, that's, that's a challenge. So you got, you're using your phones, you're trying yeah. to get other measures. Yeah. And then another issue is that parents can't afford internet. There are some oh. homes in the, in, the, you know, in the community where they do not have internet. They may yeah. have it on their phone or they may use data, but other than that, you know, um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. One of the main things that I hear parents talk about is this new math, like the new Common Core math. Yeah. They have no idea how to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't agree with it. We learned the easy way. Yes. You know, most of the way we did fine. But a lot of them say, you know, I don't know how to do this math. I cannot help my child. Right. Those are the most detrimental words for a parent to hear. Yeah. How can I help my child? Like, th- this is not set up to do that. So I feel mm-hmm. districts should be doing that this summer, having more Zoom calls for parents, math you know, lunch and learn, science lunch and learns, just so parents can feel comfortable and ready to, to, you know, get ready for this new virtual learning. They mm-hmm. want to do it. Yeah. A lot of the teachers that I speak to are going inside the classroom, but their children are yeah. going to do virtual learning. Yeah. So you have yeah. that, you know, who, who's going to be with my child during yeah. the day? I have to work. Wow. This is the way that we are going to live. So yeah. it can work, but I think districts should do a better job with equipping the parents. Yeah, Nicola, what do you think about the whole online learning? Did it, um, I mean, it, you, everybody had to leave the school building in a hurry back in March. So right. we, like uh, Amy said, if she had known, she would have done some things differently. So we knew that that, um, you know, transitioning so quickly didn't allow teachers to really do all that they could do, but now it's been four years. The administration has, I'm not four years, four, several months, four months. Um, how do you, why cannot we, why can't we just continue on? Uh, I mean, and Melita brought up some good points about um, technology or the lack thereof. What do you have to say about online learning? I think that one reason it's gonna be difficult, again, I think Melita said, because parents have to work. Okay. And it's gonna be a push and pull for the, for the especially for the little people, they won't be able to be at home by themselves to be online. Oh. I think it's a good choice if they're able to come to school. Um, as far as I saw, so another district had a situation where certain classes came to school Monday and Wednesday. Another group came Tuesday and Thursday, so the building's not full. And that'd be a way for some students to maybe spread out 
and right. then maybe you could, you know, teach them in a, in a more dis- social distancing way, mm-hmm. but everyone doesn't have the capabilities of doing that. Right. I think the parent workload is going to be one reason why it, it's going to um, have somewhat yeah. of a problem. Like the it. other thing is the, I heard a lot of, back in March, a lot of parents thought they were homeschooling because they yeah. felt that they were having to reteach all the information, kind of what um, Amy was saying. Mm-hmm. I think that if, I don't think parents should feel like they have to reteach all the information. Right. I think teachers, we do a great job of adapting, but I think if we were even shown, at least for me, more ways to teach more effectively online, yes. then they won't feel like they have to reteach all the material. Wow. I think my school district was blessed in the fact that I'm at a small private school. Our iPads are one-to-one. Um, we were ready up and running on Monday for Zoom. We started class Monday at regular time. Wow. But at the same time, I was trying to fit my class online, and that does not work. Uh-huh. That was a disaster. So over the weeks, I was constantly modifying and found that I had to back it way down. You can't do in class the same thing online. No. No, you cannot. So if I had more of that knowledge, I think that would benefit even the parents who are having to help their students at home. Wow. Now, um, I am going to skip to another question because I'm running out of time and I want to make sure I answer this and I'll ask Tyra this and everyone. Um, how would you like to see, you, you, you guys mentioned this at the very beginning, that nobody's really getting the input from the teachers. So as teachers, going forward how would you like to see if you could plan this out i mean it's a difficult thing to wrap your brain around how would you like to see the school year go forward as with COVID 19 being what it is what what would your proposals be tyra i'm going to shoot that question to you first yeah so i actually have some pre-existing conditions i live with my mother and my father who both have pre-existing conditions as well but Um, just for, for my own safety, I mean, I was in the hospital for almost two months of school year in August through almost October yeah. um, for some severe health issues. So I'm like, I'm not trying to go back there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I, I missed like almost a full semester of school. Like I missed about wow. half a semester of school for that. Yeah. So I've, I've been through that problem where you're like, okay, you know, there's no good options. Wow. I mean, the reality is we're at this point now in the nation where things have gotten so detrimental there's not going to be a best optimal option. There's going to be more like less worse options. And that's what I think we're kind of like having to struggle with. There's no return to normalcy at this point. So what I would like is maybe a hybrid model. Yeah. I mean, but I think the the hybrid models we've talked about before as like as as a nation has been things like, okay, students have an option of staying home or going to school and things like that. I feel like the hybrid model should be more extended to teachers and students. Definitely. I think that if teachers have preexisting conditions, they should be given the opportunity to teach virtually and I think if students feel uncomfortable and wanting to come to school and all that, then maybe we should have like partial days. Yeah. Like during the school year when March, when we had to come back home, I mean, we had the same thing as with Carla because we were private school. And so we were able to immediately adjust. Right. They just went ahead and bought Google Meet and yeah. like, because we have a corporate Google account. Yeah. And we immediately streamlined and we had one practice day on Monday and then immediately streamlined into classes on Wednesday. And what we did was we adjusted our schedule. So there was only three hours maximum of, class, of school time during each day mm-hmm. for every, every age. Yeah. And we found that worked really well for kids because sitting at a computer for eight hours is ridiculous too. Mm-hmm. Um, and expecting teachers to sit there for like yes, five hours. That's outrageous. You yeah. know, so we did, we did three hours a day. So the kids got three classes a day max. Sometimes right, if right. they change classes, they got two classes or one class, depending on right, their schedule. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that worked pretty well. Um, so I wouldn't mind doing that even in, in real time and in, in, in physical. If we have to go back physically in some capacity, yeah. having days where basically instead of eight hour days, we have three or four hour days. Sure, sure, and sure. And we alternate sure. the students who come. 
so that now we're instead of 1800 students we have maybe 900 students on campus like right. just doing right. those sorts of things to kind of yeah. spread out right. the, amount the kids of the people the amount of excellent um uh, amy what's your thoughts on this how would you like to see things go forward um you know what's your proposal if you have any our counties rolled out three different options based on low impact, medium impact, and high impact. And right now our numbers are very high. There's rumors that we're third in the world. Okay. <laughs> South okay. Carolina, because everybody's yeah. coming down here to vacation. Oh. It's not us. It's the wow. people coming down. Sure. Um, so that's my concern. I don't know where we're going to be. If we look at the hybrid model, my concern is what's, what's the expectation for me, because I can't do two at the same time. I think it's interesting to add that Carla and Tyra both were able at the private sector to initiate school that following Monday and the public sector took a little bit longer. So yes. there needs to be a conversation about funding and, yes. e and equity because it's these, these kids that need it the most, my title one kids that need it the most mm. are the ones that are getting the, the bad end of the deal. Sure. And then the kids that are going to be okay because their parents are supportive and their parents already have an education. Right. They're the ones going to the private schools. And I've, I'm worried about their, the disparity is going to get worse and worse. Yes. So yes, yes. one of your questions was about state funding and federal funding. Absolutely. Sorry to go back on that. We right. need more money to be invested in education so that when this rolls out, I'm in a very, um, good district because we have so much tourist money in Myrtle Beach. Right. So we get a lot, a lot of money. So third through 12th grade was one-to-one -one devices and they just rolled out a new um, edict where child development, I think mm -hmm. second grade is also going to be one-to-one. -one. That's going to be wow. a blessing for our students, right. but there's the core shame in South Carolina where the buildings falling around people's ears and there's no AC. So yeah. I can't, or outdated textbooks and broken furniture. I don't know what those babies are going to do because that's hard for the teachers. We're already coming out of our own pockets. Yes, so yes. I, I'm, I'm worried. I am worried. I don't know how it's going to look, but I want whatever we do, it needs to be in the best interest of not just the students, but the adults that are in that building Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Ladies, we are running out of time. Um, and I just, um, I wanted to make sure that I asked this last question on a scale of one to 10, how worried are you about this whole thing? Just real quick, we're running out of time. Melita, how worried are you about this whole situation? I'm about an eight. Oh, wow. Right. Uh, what about you, Carla? About a seven. Wow, how about you, Amy? I'm five, because I don't know what we're gonna do. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what about you? What's, what's your thought, Tyra? Um, as of right now, until I find out what my school's gonna do, I'm at a seven. Wow. Wow. Well, ladies, there's so much more I could talk to you about. And I hate to have to end here because I almost feel like this deserves another conversation, but we'll end it for now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your feedback. I have people that have told me they are waiting to hear what you guys have to say. They're waiting to hear this interview tonight. It'll go up live on the uh, network uh, at 6, uh, 6 p.m. because they've said that they have just been struggling um, so there's a lot of people feeling what you feel. Thank you all for being here. We appreciate your feedback, your words of wisdom, and we'll see you next time. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. If you haven't already done so, I want to encourage you to subscribe and download episodes of the show by going to www.theworkingwomanradiopodcast.com. You can also find us by visiting the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network and clicking on the Working Women Radio show page. Also, when you go to the show page for this episode, you'll see some links to some other resources um, that will hopefully help you even further. 
For more information about upcoming podcasts and Working Woman Radio Show events, you can go to the Working Woman Radio Show Facebook page and become a friend. Share your comments, ask your questions, because we really do want to hear from you. Well, with that being said, God bless, and we will see you next time on the Working Woman Radio Show.